0: Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners, with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence at cmlibrary.org. Welcome to the March 2022 edition of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to the written words. Proud member of the Queen City Podcast Network and the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. In this episode 286, we visit with Hallie Gomez, author of List of Ten, where the number that dictates the young protagonist's life is also the number on the list that will end it. Ten. Three little letters, one ordinary number. No big deal, right? But for Troy Hayes, a 16 year old suffering from Tourette's syndrome, and obsessive compulsive disorder, the number ten dictates his life forcing him to do everything by its exacting rhythm. Finally, fed up with the daily humiliation, loneliness, and physical pain he endures, Troy writes a list of 10 things to do by the 10th anniversary of his diagnosis, culminating in suicide on the actual day. list of 10 is the recipient of the 2021 North Carolina Young People's Literature Award and nominee for the 2022 Young Adult Library Services Association Best Fiction for Young Adults. Kirkus describes the novel as an authentic and compassionate look at the ups and downs of teenage life and living with Tourette's Syndrome, and Nicole Lesperance, author of The Wide Starlight and The Nightmare Thief, says, I'm just wrecked. It's a stunning, difficult, powerful, heartfelt book, and it made me cry. Before we jump into the uninterrupted interview today, I'd like to thank you for spending some of your valuable time with us. We very much appreciate it, uh, and thank you for being here. I'm your host, Landis Wade, and I'm a recovering trial lawyer turned author turned podcaster of Books and Stories, and love interviewing authors about their books and sharing that uh, with you, the listener. A few quick things to know about the podcast. Uh, you can listen to the podcast wherever you like to get your podcast on all major podcast platforms, but you can also get more at charlottereaderspodcast.com. At our website there, you can get show notes on each episode where we share information about uh, the authors who appear on the show. There's a guest list that shows all the authors with links to their episodes. There is a community blog where authors who have appeared on the show or who have submitted to the podcast can share their wisdom and knowledge about writing and book recommendations and then we have a community vlog where we do some facebook live interviews Uh, if you like video check that out and then there's the book report you can sign up for uh, at the podcast website that's where we share on a monthly basis information about the podcast what's happening what's coming and uh, hey we won't spam you that takes way too much time And if you like uh, audiobooks, check out Libro.fm. We have an affiliation with them because they support independent bookstores. And when you sign up, if you use the promo code Charlotte Reader, you're going to get a free audiobook. On the Landis Wade front, check out LandisWade.com. That's where you can find out more about uh, me and my writing. I also have a blog there where I, I write about uh, what I've learned uh, from authors and learn about the writing process. It's called Wade Scripts. And we have a newsletter you can sign up for there uh, the Landis Wade Author Newsletter. And a uh, shameless plug here uh, from the other sponsor of the podcast uh, that's me. I have a novel, uh, it's out on ebook now. It's coming out in print uh, on April the 5th. Uh, It's called Deadly Declarations, uh, and it's about an unlikely trio of retirees who set out to solve the mystery of the supposed Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence, that is, if they don't die trying. Let's get to the episode. Hallie, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, uh, and congratulations on the book.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed this, your debut novel, List of 10. And in the process, I learned a lot about Tourette's syndrome and obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, Now, you're a bookseller. We're going to talk about that in a little bit uh, at our local independent bookstore, Park Road Books. And uh, in that role, you know what the backs of books look like, but the back of your hardback looks different. There's no summary, there's no blurbs, there's just 10 lines, and it's the list of 10. And I was wondering, to start this off, if you don't mind, I'd like you to get us going today by reading what somebody's going to read when they pick up your book and turn it over to the back.
1: Sure. Okay. Get my first kiss. Meet someone else with Tourette syndrome. Be pain-free. Find a babysitter for my baby brother. See the space shuttle. Talk about Tourette in public. Give away by Tim Howard, autograph picture, drive a car, talk to mom, commit suicide.
0: Now, that, I mean, that's a powerful, I mean, that really grabs you. You know, when you think about blurbs on the backs of books or so you talk about descriptions, you pick this up, you read it, and immediately you know that there's going to be internal and external conflict going on in this book. How, how did uh, how'd this come about? Had this idea, come about to, to create a list of 10?
1: I've always wanted to write about Tread Syndrome, um, a, a fiction novel, not a not a nonfiction. Um, and it just, it, you know, I had been thinking years and years and years, but it was never the right time. It was never the right story. Um, and then it just, it came to me. Um, it just kind of formed in my mind certain things that, um that I felt somebody would want to accomplish in their life um for for the main character um there are a lot of goals and dreams that he has um so while he has you know while he you know is in pain and um embarrassed and humiliated um almost on a daily basis he still has dreams so it it, I had the idea to combine the two.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, as I'm reading this, um, and, and sometimes I skip ahead, I look at the author's note in the back. I, I move around to try to figure out what's going on. Cause I know I'm going to be interviewing the author. Um, and I learned, um, and we're going to be talking about on, on Patreon, this idea of writing what you know. And I was thinking about that and your suggestion for that, I thought, wait a minute, does Hallie, is this in her personal background? And of course, when I read your author's note, I realized, you know, that it was, that it is part of your life uh, to have Tourette's syndrome. And I was wondering if you mind talking a little bit about uh, that, because certainly that had to figure into your decision to write this book.
1: Um, Yeah, I was diagnosed when I was eight. So that was a lot more than 10 years ago, (laughs) 10 times, you know, about 40, Um, (laughs) and then add a few years. so, there's there's a lot of me in this book, just in terms of um, the the describing how it feels to have um, Tourette and OCD, and of course, it's it's a little bit different for everybody. Um, but this really, I was able to get out the feelings um, that I had the physical and emotional feelings, um, that I had. So there is a lot of me in this book. Um, Troy's story is not my story. Um, but there are a lot of similarities.
0: Yeah. You said in the author's note that you learned, um, early on that this disorder would never go away. And you, you said you spent a lot of time hiding in your back room. Then of course you got to read a lot of books when you did, but, uh, you said that, uh, you actually thought about ending your life many times throughout childhood. And it took you a long time to get to the place where you are today. Um, Is that a, you know, with all we're dealing with, with mental health and, um, and teens today, I'm sure this added layer is something that uh, any, any young person dealing with this is, is, is really struggling with.
1: Yes. The, the last two years, um, I, I think have just added so much stress, um, not just to teens, but to everybody, uh, but to those who already, um, suffered from mental illness or, you know, have, um, a disability or a disorder, it, you know, being stuck inside, not being able to have a release, not being able to see friends, um, have all sorts of normalcy taken away, just, it adds to the depression and the and the the hardships that people face.
0: So, uh, how did you? How are you personally able to um, get through this struggle? You said you, you know, you thought about suicide. You know, the having to constantly deal with some of the things, that you, and we'll be talking about some of these things that, that Troy goes through in the in the book here. Um, how was it that you came to terms with it? I mean. Did, did puberty help did it uh, hurt did it uh, you know as you, as you as you grew up was it uh, uh easier to cope or did you find other coping mechanisms how, how did that work
1: puberty doesn't help anything okay, okay. okay. <laughs> i mean i know it was a long time ago for me but that's one thing i remember okay um it was yeah it was tough um i my my mother um was very supportive. Um, and my father too. Um, but my mother at one point gave me, you know, gave me an ultimatum, either you see a therapist or you start paying rent in the house. And I had, I think I was working at an ice cream shop. And so I was not making enough to, to pay rent. Um, so she kind of forced me into it was, which was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Um, it was a long process. Um, it's always, always a long process, um, you know, dealing with issues and, and mental health issues and depression. It's, you know, it's a lifelong thing. You always have to kind of check yourself, um, see, you know, where you are in life, if you're, you know, feel you're doing well, or if you feel you're sliding back. Um, but I I would have to say that the biggest help for me to get me through, especially the teenage years, was um, therapy and family support.
0: Yeah, and I should say to the listeners, you know, uh, Hallie has already mentioned that this is not a nonfiction book. This is a novel. It's a well-written novel. There is a arc, there's humor, there's uh, young love, there's lots of things going on in here, but there is this list of 10 that's in the background, but before we jump into that list of 10, couple of other interesting things about you. Uh, you're a fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo and you've taught martial arts for almost 10 years. How how did that come about?
1: (laughs) And and you've seen me, so you know that I'm 4'11". So (laughs) we started martial arts as a family when my, my kids were little, they were three and six. Um, and they were shy and you know, kind of like I was growing up Um, and I wanted them to, you know, have something to to build their confidence. So we started as a family, fell in love with it. Um, I had one job that I got when I moved, when we moved to North Carolina and that was ending and my instructors offered me um, a spot in the instructor training program. So I took it. And and taught for 10 years.
0: <laughs> and, and, and you know, you've also got this background of working as an intelligence analyst for police departments and federal agencies. I mean, it sounds to me like with your black belt training and this other police, that the first book might have been something <laughs> different, maybe a thriller or something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that that um, I'm working on that for my second book. All oh, right. Um, okay. Yeah. So, well. We'll have some police in there. We'll have some, you know, murder mystery type thing in there. Um, yeah, it just, this one just really, uh, list to 10, just really flowed out of me at the right time. So
0: that's great. And of course, uh, in addition to doing all the things and raising a family, you're a bookseller at Park Road Books, our local independent bookstore. How's that going?
1: Oh, I love it. Best job ever.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what's that like? What do you do as a bookseller?
1: um so my main my main job there um as a bookseller is um really what we do a lot of is to give recommendations people ask every day um you know i like this particular type of book or what have you read lately that you would recommend um so recommendations are a big part um so i get to read a lot which is fabulous um And I'm also the events coordinator there, so I'm working with um, mostly local authors um, and some bigger authors trying to schedule events, you know, book signings, and hopefully soon um, sit down discussions and readings and question and answer. Yeah,
0: it's great. Uh, You know, when your episode here comes out around the middle of March, uh, it's just going to be a couple weeks away from – an event I'm going to be having there at uh, Park Road Books for my new novel, uh, Deadly Declaration. So, looking forward to that, and uh, mm-hmm. work, working with Park Road Books on on that, we got a lot of fun things planned. Okay, well, look, look, let's let's dive into this uh, into this book here, List of Ten. Um, you've already mentioned that uh, you you had some of your own experiences wrapped up in the telling of this story, but you chose a uh, a male protagonist rather than a female protagonist. Uh, that's not entirely right, what you know, but it's close. So talk about that decision.
1: Um, it's it's interesting, and and as a as a writer yourself, um, you'll I, I'm sure you'll understand. When I speak with people who are not writers, they don't really understand. So hopefully, the listeners will understand. Um, sometimes the voice just comes to you, like the story. The story comes to you, the plot comes to you, the characters come to you um, in whatever, whatever voice it takes. This one was a male protagonist. Um, I thought about, you know, changing to a female, but it just it didn't feel right. It didn't sound right. Um, but since the beginning, this, this boy, this, you know, teenage boy just kind of spoke to me and wanted me to tell his story.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, that it is a magical thing, right? Sometimes this stuff just comes down. You don't know where it comes from and suddenly, <laughs> right. suddenly suddenly it's on the pace. Now you did put a character in here, Corey. We'll talk about her that uh she she has a lot of empathy for, for Troy. Uh she's got she's got her own problems as well. Um, and so you got the female perspective in through that. Uh but you know, writing a book is hard work and i t- I'm sure it took you a while to sort of formulate th- these thoughts, but maybe once you got the idea down of where you wanted to go, given your background and what you went through, did some of this just pour out on the page for you?
1: Um, a lot of it did in terms of um, the feelings um, and kind of describing it, which, um, like describing how it feels like, which <laughs> I'll read later, uh, which actually was was kind of cathartic for me. Um I had never really expressed expressed it before. So it just it just kind of flowed out of me. It was, you know, some parts were difficult to write, but some were just easy and had been waiting a long time to come out.
0: Yeah, now Troy has got, you know, the double whammy. He's got Tourette's and he's got uh, the obsessive compulsive, so he's doing things like, you know, every Tenth number, he's got to touch the floor or something. It's just part of his, you know, process. Um, but when I was reading this, I really did not know how painful this can be and in someone's life, and not just the mental aspect of dealing with it. And so, it must have been somewhat emotional for you to write this as well.
1: It, yeah, it was. Um, I, I have to to say the year that I wrote it and, and it took me a year between writing and revisions and, um, everything. Um, it was reliving it, um, reliving it on a daily basis. And then it debuted, uh, March, 2021, um, and just kind of reliving it all over again. Um, so really, you know, so happy to have it out there and so happy to have, People read it and and have a little bit better understanding, um, but oh, the emotions came out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. And as you get older with Tourette's, is there medication or something that can help with the pain and some of the issues that that you have with that?
1: There's um, there's medication all along. Um, like when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I, I took medication. Uh, the and they have. They don't really have a whole lot of really? different medications, you know, even after all this time. And the problem for me um, is, as I said, I'm 4'11", so um, there's there's not a whole lot. And so, with the medication, the more you take, obviously, the side effects kick in. Mm-hmm. So, they would make me really sleepy or kind of foggy and... um I, it's It made it really difficult to, you know, function on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. So um, I I haven't taken medication for a long time.
0: All right. Well, with that uh, background, you're going to uh, read. We, we do the Single Strategies podcast where authors give voice to the written words. And we're starting early in the book, but I think it's around the second chapter. Uh, and, and maybe if you want to, you can tell us a little bit about what's happened in the first chapter before you start reading uh, when uh, he... when Troy gets on the bus?
1: So in the first chapter is kind of the setup, kind of the setup of him. He's at school. um, He's in science class and it's the beginning of a new semester. So the teacher is uh, rearranging seats. Um, One of the things um, about OCD, at least for Troy, is, you know, he kind of found his Comfort zone um, in his seat before he was, you know, around people that he felt comfortable with. And then his teacher goes and switches everything up, except she did put him next to Corey, um, who plays a big part, as Landa said, in the book. So in chapter one, he meets Corey. Chapter two, he gets on the bus. The bus engine choked, sputtered, and eventually came to life. When we bumped our way to the open road, I took out my phone and opened the list of 10. I thought about the new seats, Corey, and the astronomy summer program. Could I fit them into the list? Before high school, my dream was to have friends and a girlfriend, someone who would wait at our locker before school and get me in trouble for texting me during dinner. Of course, we would share a locker, but high school was a rude awakening, and for what the real world had to offer, hormones brought a whole new mess of turettics, emotions and interactions with society that I would have preferred not to have. So what did adulthood promise? More of the same. I could just imagine Dr. Harley qualified's reaction if I told him my plan to commit suicide. He'd press his pointer finger to his cheek, which he always did to appear thoughtful while he came up with something to say. Then he'd grab some outdated, dust covered book from the shelf. Hmm. Suicide. Depression. I'm not depressed. Depressed, I would have explained. Just tired, exhausted from the whole thing. And what do you mean by that specifically? The Tourette, the OCD, being in constant pain because my muscles won't stop moving and my brain won't stop counting. Even my explanations were on repeat. To a trained professional, it should have been obvious by looking at me. Troy, you need to give it time. Close your eyes, breathe in, and count to 10. Then he would have added antidepressants to my current medicine cocktail. I did give it, and him, time. 10 days, 10 months, years even. And now that the 10th anniversary of my nightmare life was coming, the significance couldn't be ignored. I was sure HQ wouldn't approve. I shifted toward the the window as the number of neck twitches and hand squeezes increased and focused on the rows of trees whizzing by. My muscles ached as I tried to control them, but they quivered from the inside like a million ants scurrying through my body trying to get free. People already thought I was crazy. If my muscles took over, everyone would run away screaming like the zombie zombie apocalypse was here. I listened to the voices complaining about new semester classes, teachers, and homework as we passed the shopping center where I learned to ride my bike. Almost home, the bus turned into my neighborhood and pulled to the curb. My stop was the first one, two blocks from my house. I scooted past Ponytail Girl and started the 10-count bend down, pushing away the Visual of chewed gum, spit, and dog poop that lived in the floor's rubber tread. A boy behind me sighed. His breath was warm on my neck. Did he think I enjoyed this? My neck twitched. Trust me, no one wanted to get home faster than me. I leaped off the last step, took a deep breath of cool air, and wiped the sweat from my forehead. When I turned left onto my street, I ran the rest of the way. Too fast to slow down when I got to the number 10. I stopped at the door, touched the ground 10 times, then disappeared inside. As soon as the lock clicked, I freed the ants scrambling in my body. My neck twitched 15 times, an odd number. My hands clenched, fingernails dug into my palms. My neck twitched five more times, felt the craving, and quickly did it 10 more times, 30, even number and divisible by 10, which left to 3. 10 more times, 40, 4 times 10 is 40. Searing pain traveled from my neck down my left shoulder blade, an 85 out of 100 on my rate the pain scale. I let out a big exhale and shuffled to my room. 10 steps, touch the hardwood. 10 steps, touch the carpet. My fingertips slid over it, soft, too soft. I pressed my fingers into it, feeling for the hardwood floor underneath.
0: Well, that makes you tired just uh, listening to it, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> and, and and reading something like that does that bring back memories of your own situation growing up?
1: Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, yes.
0: yeah, unfortunately, yeah. So, uh, also, did you have some humor as Troy did for calling his psychiatrist hardly qualified? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I, I um, I've had some pretty non qualified <laughs> doctors in my time, um, and then I had some pretty fantastic ones.
0: Yeah, that's great. So um, Troy is sixteen. We meet him uh, in the first chapter. Uh, we learn about his uh, thing with counting to ten. Um, we learn about the seat assignments and the anxiety that creates. Um, and of course, you know, we learn that uh, that he's in pain. Um, I want to shift a little bit to the what if for this book. because you could have taken this in a lot of different directions. Um, you know, at the opening of the show, we talked about. 10. It's just three little letters, one ordinary word, no big deal, right? But for him, he's made this list. And uh, now that he's met Corey, he's hoping maybe he'll get uh, his first kiss, which is number one on the list, right?
1: Yes. Every teenage boy's dream.
0: <laughs> exactly. And yet the problem is, um, as you know, the narrative develops, He um, there are certain things that he enjoys doing with Corey, certain other things that maybe he wants to maybe work into his list. He's wondering if he can do that and still make it, but he's still committed to doing this because of the things that uh, have have happened to him. Um, He thinks he wants to commit suicide um, and we think we know what brought him to this point. But what does he really want?
1: He just wants to be happy. He just wants to, like I think we all do, figure out how to, live in your own body and in your own mind.
0: Yeah. And the obstacles that he faces, you've already hinted at some of them, but, uh, you know, now that he's met Corey, um, who's got her own story, and if you want to say something about her, she's she might be kind of a protagonist in this story too because uh, she is the first kiss, but she's also got her own problems, right?
1: Yeah, she um... – was a twin. Um, her sister was abducted and killed when they were in elementary school, um, so she, she, her parents are understandably overprotective. Um, they don't want to lose her too, and sh- she has her own struggles with uh, wanting to live and dream and and go out and do all these wonderful crazy things but she's scared. She's scared to go out. She's scared of the people who may be out there lurking in the dark. Um, so she, you know, has her own dreams, but has her own demons.
0: Yeah. And she wants to get out of the house and her parents don't want her to get out of the house because they're afraid for her. And Troy has this idea and there's item four on the list. Find a babysitter for my baby brother. Cause he does have a baby brother. Cause his father's remarried. Cause his wife who had Tourette's left, uh, mm-hmm. him. And, uh, you know, it was sort of heartbreaking that uh, here he is. He's he's really fallen in love with Corey, but now he's trying to set her up so she can come be the babysitter for his brother, knowing that he's going to fulfill this. You know these these ten requirements on his on his list.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough place to be in. You you know you want to you want to see her succeed, and you want to see her grow, and you want to be a part of that. Um, but by, by helping her grow, it means that you don't grow. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a really tricky place for him.
0: It also means he checks another item off his list, which is getting him closer
1: to, to number 10, to number yeah. 10.
0: Yeah. Now, as far as the title goes, um, uh, and, and the book covers, of course, you've got two book covers cause you've got a paperback coming out. I so do. talk about the difference in the book covers. We've, we've put them I think in the we've got the uh in the show notes at Charlotte's podcast.com. I think we've got the uh, paperback book cover, which is really different than the than the hardback. So talk about the difference in the two.
1: Um yeah, they're like night and day. Um the hardcover is um it's orange and white and black. And it is um beautiful in its simplicity. So it has the title, it has um Troy, with a little hint of Corey, of a love interest. Um, What I love so much about it, though, kind of in the background, is just um, one through nine going over and over and over um, with a question mark at the end. So it's, you know, it makes you wonder how much of his list he'll get through and will he get through number 10?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, you've already talked about the back of the book. So, what about the front of the paperback?
1: So, the front of the paperback is it's it's striking. Um, the The illustrator who who did the paperback cover, um, the way she draws um, or illustrates. Characters that have so much emotion. Um, so just looking at his face on the paperback, you can see there's so much emotion going on there. Um, in his shirt, you see um, him and Corey, hints of them walking through their neighborhood. So it kind of tells a little bit of the story. Um, I think another thing that I love, and I I don't know if this was intentional, um, but it's teal. And Teal is the cover of Tourette Syndrome Awareness. So that mm-hmm. was just, I, I. again, I don't know if it was intentional, but it just, it's perfect.
0: That's great. And the title, uh, list of 10, perfect title as well. Was that always the title of the book?
1: That was always the title. Oh, yeah, wow. a lot of times um, authors will, will say that, their, you know, once they got through the whole editing and everything process with their publishers, that their title changed. Uh, but this was the title from the very beginning.
0: That's perfect. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. And the storytelling technique you used uh, was first person. It seemed like a great choice for this book because you're getting into the head uh, of Troy. Did you ever consider, uh, you know, because you, you deal with the angst of the father? And uh, Corey as well. Did you ever write any third-person scenes with, with it from their perspective?
1: I did not. I yeah. um, I thought the best way. One of the the main reasons I wanted to write the book is a lot of people don't understand what it feels like to have mm-hmm. Tourette and OCD, um, and I thought the best way to explain it to people is to have it in first person.
0: Um,
1: and that's, and I really wanted it to be Troy's story, which is why I focused on first person as opposed to third person and kind of getting a little bit more into Corey and his father.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. And just a couple more writing life questions. Um, you know, you're, you're pretty busy. Um, you're teaching people how to chop chop with uh, (laughs) your your taekwondo. And uh, so this writing, you said it took about a year uh, to do this. Um, How did you sort of work that in? Did you just commit to, I'm going to do this every morning? Or or do you write in bursts? You know, what was your process?
1: Um, With with a full-time job, no matter what full-time job I've had, and I've had several, um, I just try to write wherever I can and whenever I can. So sometimes that's in the morning um, before work. Sometimes that's nine o'clock at night when I get home. My first draft for all my books is always pen and paper. So I always keep a notebook um, with an ongoing story in my purse so I can take it out, like I'll write on my lunch break and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, I just try to fit it in wherever I can. Mm
0: -hmm. That's interesting. Well, you know, we're we talk. We're going to talk more on Patreon when we jump over about writing what you know and the different ways you can write what you know. One of the ways to write what you know is to find out what other people know, and then you know it. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> right. I was, yeah. I was wondering if, uh, I mean, you had this personal experience, but uh, you've probably uh, met other people over the years that have had Tourette's who may have had different or similar symptoms to yours. Did, did any of that come into play when you're writing this book as well that you drew on other people's experiences too? Yeah. Um, so
1: I've been, I, I didn't meet a lot of people growing up. Um, it was, I think I met one or two other people and, and that was it. And they were older, they were already adults. Um, but throughout the course of my life, I've met other people either online or um, in support groups that I've, that I've gone to. Um, so I didn't, it's really different for everybody. Um, but I wanted to kind of get a well-rounded, um, a well-rounded picture. Um, and of course, stay away from any of the stereotypes. So, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah, that's interesting. And of course you had to balance your process and all that kind of thing. Um, so having gone through this process, uh, you know, you've written a novel. It's, it's gotten really nice reviews. Um, you're now working on, you know, the thriller aspect of, for your next book, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what what did you learn along the way of writing this book that maybe had you known it sooner, it might have helped you earlier in the process?
1: Uh, so many things. Um, I I think the the biggest... The biggest thing that I I didn't realize, because I didn't understand how the process worked, I understood the writing part, um, and I understood the agent part. You know, you write, you get it, well, you get an agent, and then they submit to editors. Um, but how subjective it all is. And it's really a simple concept. If you think about it, you read books that you love, you read books that you don't love. Um, agents are the same, editors are the same. So, you know, you take one story and you have one. Um, let's say one agent, for example, that does not like it at all. Um, but that doesn't mean it's the end for your story. It just means that wasn't the right person. Mm-hmm. So then you have to go and find the other. So, um, I. I really didn't realize that the industry was had so much you know like subjectivity
0: yeah it is i mean that's you know and that's why over the years before independent publishing you know it was the gatekeepers and if the gatekeeper didn't like your work even if readers might like it uh it didn't get published uh right so um and you know what what one editor might think is funny another one might think is uh you know, ridiculously bland and, uh, not invented at all, you know, right? exactly. So, so, so uh, I guess what you're saying is you got to have sort of, a uh, thick skin when you're, yeah. you know, submitting and hearing back. And have you experienced your share of rejection in the past?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. I That's... feel I wouldn't be a writer if I didn't have a lot. It's all yeah. part of the game.
0: It's all part of the game. That's right. Yeah. All right, well, uh, we're we're out of time here. I, I want to let uh, listeners know if you go over to Patreon, p a t r e o n dot com forward slash Charlier's Podcast. That's where you can help us out a little bit each month, uh, so we can help authors give voice to the written words. And when you do, you get exclusive content. And uh, there's over 120 episodes on the craft and business of writing. And now we're going to go over, and uh, Hallie and I are going to do one uh, on writing what you know, but also I'm going to pick her brain about uh, being a bookseller too. So. Uh, join us over there at Patreon. Hey, Hallie, it's been great having you on the show. Congratulations on the book, and I'm looking forward to the next one.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Well, that's it for today. Another fine author giving voice to the written words. You can subscribe to this podcast for free at Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and most any podcast platform you like to listen to your podcast on.